welcome to a special episode of the Irish NFL Show with me, Colm Cronin, and delighted today to be joined by a returning guest. It is the very wonderful Nate Geary, who does the pre-game and halftime Bill show on WGR 550, and he is also co-host of Food for Thought. Nate, how are you doing? I'm, uh, I'm doing great. How are you? Thanks for having me. Uh, delighted uh, to get the opportunity to chat to you again. It's been a, a little while, and uh, I suppose, um, you know, for for viewers and uh, our listeners to, to this, they'll be uh, very familiar with the Bills, but also the, the weather situation in <laughs> Buffalo. What, what is it like living through the day after tomorrow? Yeah, that's literally, that's pretty much what it was here. Um, I mean, hurricane force winds, negative temperatures, uh, a couple of feet of snow. We were stuck in our house for, shoot, three, four days, um, you know, uh, with low, low levels of food. You know, luckily we had plenty of beer. We had plenty of beer and plenty of wine, so we were good to go. So you, you prepped, you ensured you had the essentials. Indeed, indeed we did. And you, is it three storms um, that uh, that you've had this year thus far? So uh, two big ones, two really big ones. The first one dropped about six feet of snow, that it melted, and that we got this, and now it's melting again. So we, you know, now we have to deal with the flooding and everything else that goes along. It's Yeah, listen, Buffalo, for everything great about Buffalo, it's been my whole life. We certainly, and we're known for our, our snowstorms. So this one definitely took some people by surprise. That's that's saying something if it's taken Buffalo people by surprise. Yeah, absolutely. But we have seen the the videos of Bill's Mafia um, getting players, helping get players out of their houses. So they hit that game, digging out players' cars, um, kind of getting together, eating out, outside despite the uh, conditions, et cetera, et cetera. Are Bill's Mafia the happiest cult in the world? Happiest. Huh? Um, yeah. I, I, w- I would say happy is a funny word. Um, I, I would say they're the most, they're, they're definitely, I would say excitement more than anything right now. Um, you know, obviously the Bills have a lot of expectations. They came into this season as a Super Bowl favorite. So a little snow is not going to stop anybody, any Bills fan from making sure that the players are, you know, getting ready and, um, able to get to the, I, I mean, the first storm, uh, when they had to move their game from Buffalo to Detroit, um, yeah, they were snow, they were snowmobiling players. Guys were walking through snow is, you know, up to their shoulders. Um, there was a, uh, a, now a very infamous gentleman who is, uh, Josh Allen's next door neighbor. His name is squirrel winters. Um, so if that's not the most Buffalo thing you've ever heard in your life, I don't know what is. That is fantastic, and I I hope that maybe somebody in Ireland will hear the name and and write a poem about our witches because <laughs> I think that that would be it's, it's poem worthy. It's poem worthy. It tr- it truly is. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the, the Bills, as you said, were the off season favorites uh, coming in, and and a lot of that was the off season addition of Von Miller, and you know what we've seen Josh Allen to be, and. Got off to a rip-roaring start, obviously, the, the first couple of games. And then I kind of ran into a Dolphins team who had this kind of amazing kind of four-quarter comeback. And I suppose the first couple of games against divisional teams, um, the, the Bills struggled a little bit. Do you think that was maybe because of the off-season hype and having won last year that there was kind of a target on their back a little bit? 
I certainly think so. And and listen, when you are when you are considered one of the best, um, they they this it, is a saying in football you hear all the time. And the saying is, when you're the best, uh, you always get people's best game, right? Like you're always going to get whoever you're playing. They're going to be the most focused. Uh, they're going to have the most preparation that week for an opponent that they know is good or is great or is the champion, right? And for the Bills, they've certainly been getting their – listen, when you have the kind of success the Bills have had over the past couple of seasons in the division, in a division where it had been, I mean, I'm no kidding, 20-plus years um, since the Bills had won the AFC East, and now they've won it three consecutive times, and it's it's pretty crazy when you consider and think back just a few short years ago that Tom Brady – at a 20-year reign over this division, and the only time another team won it was the Miami Dolphins. They snuck in a year where Chad Pennington, and they they, they won the division one year, and then it was back to Tom Brady and the Patriots' reign. So um, it, it wasn't surprising to me because I think on top of the Bills sort of having this domination over the rest of the division over the past couple of seasons, I, I think the Dolphins are a pretty good football team. I think they've they sort of turned a corner. Now they've had a tough December um, that was tough conditions. If you remember going back to that game in Miami, um, you know, the Bills' sideline was up to like 130 degrees, and that was a big storyline after that game. The Bills were down to like 30 players that could play in that game because of either injury or they were out um, due to the heat or heat exhaustion. So um, a lot of what, what I would say is the Bills have lost three games by a combined score of eight points. This is a very good football team. They're a couple of plays away. Um, from being a potentially undefeated football team. Like, that's how good they've been. And, you know, it hasn't been as... It hasn't been as easy for them over the last couple of weeks. They've, they've faced some good teams. They they go back and they they beat the Jets, getting the revenge from losing to them earlier in the season. And um, obviously the Vikings game, those back-to-back weeks. And now they've, you know, sort of gotten on this path of they're, they're now at six wins in a row. They can make it seven with a really important Monday night football game. And frankly... The, it's it's the game of the year being touted by uh, by the national media here in the U.S. But I would say it's by far the, the biggest game the Bills have had um, in several seasons because what it does is a win ensures they get the number one seed. And I believe if the Bills are going to win a Super Bowl, they've got to have the AFC come through Buffalo, play in Western New York, play in the conditions, play in front of this home stadium and this home fan base who will be absolutely rabid if they get an AFC championship game at home in Buffalo. I can't even imagine what this city, uh, what that stadium would sound like. And we were, what, you know, a play away, two plays away last year um, from that that being the case against this very Bengals team. So, um, yeah, listen, trials, tribulations, it's a long season. Sean McDermott always preaches, you know, there's ebbs and flows to the season. It's never going to just be easy, uh, easy roll and easy stride through the season and through the schedule. And frankly, too, the Bills played one of the, I think, the, one of the most difficult schedules in football. It's prepared them for a this game, but b what happens in the next uh, you know month or so here. Yeah, and and if the if the championship game was to be in Buffalo, I imagine table manufacturers all over the United States uh, would be uh, upping upping production and and getting certainly uh, over to the East Coast. But that's right. Talk talk to me, I suppose, a little bit about Josh Allen, and and I'm interested, Kyle. You're, there seems to be. This year, right, where there's a lot of pieces coming out around Josh and uh, uh, Larry Fitzpatrick, who I, I actually interviewed kind of um, earlier in the week, had a piece in uh, USA Today, Touchdown Wire, about like the regression of the, of the Bills passing offense over the, the past number of weeks. And we've seen it a number of times. 
but equally, and I know you had on your your Twitter account around some some of the other uh, stats that Josh uh, Allen has has had, and, and the fact that the Bills have had such a tough schedule and continue to to win is is it just that you know we are so accustomed to Josh Allen doing Josh Allen things? Is this people looking to take some shots because? They got it so wrong on Josh Allen in terms of the, of the draft and the fact that he did turn it around. But what do you think is is the reason for the Josh Allen narrative, the disparity that we're seeing over the past couple of weeks in particular? Yeah, you know, it's interesting I, it, because if you think about regression, right, um, he has from last season, 2021, where... You know, I, I don't want to say the, the Bills ended up finishing 11 and 6, right? You go back to 2020, and that was the year he was the MVP runner up. And in that season, it's kind of hard to beat. I mean, he had 107 quarterback rating, 76.6 QBR. And last year, if anything, if you want to look at last year as a bit of a regression for Josh, who had 36 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, and 4,400 yards. And then you add in, you know, five, 600 yards and another five, seven, 10 touchdowns on the ground. Um, it's hard for me to, to look at the situation or look at the conversation around Josh Allen and not sometimes scratch my head. Um, this is a player that doesn't miss football games. He started um, since his, um, since his rookie season has not missed a game. Um, and he is, he stays healthy. And even when he's banged up or he's injured, he plays. And that's, I think a, a part of the story this year is the UCL injury that he sustained in the New York Jets game earlier in the season uh, where he kind of got, you know, he got pulled back and he, Hurt that uh, that the the UCL tendon um, in his elbow, and you could tell at least for the first couple of weeks that it was something actively affecting him and his ability to accurately throw the football. And this is an injury that he actually sustained as well his rookie season, so he has a history with this injury. And and for those that don't know, like a sprain in your UCL is a slight tear, um, and that is what Josh has sort of been dealing with and working through. And and yet, you know, you look at the stats; he's on pace in two more games. He's on pace to have the most completions uh, of his career in a season, the most yards in a season, the most touchdowns in a season, the highest touchdown percentage uh, of his career, uh, the highest yards per attempt, the highest, uh, highest yards per game, quarterback rating. Uh, and he's a couple of points off a couple of good games of, of tying or at least besting his best QBR season as an NFL player. So again, and I, and I think the conversation never goes to Josh Allen and what he brings as a runner. When people want to compare Josh Allen to Patrick Mahomes, they want to compare Josh Allen to, you know, Joe Burrow, or they want to compare Josh Allen to any of these number of, of really young, good quarterbacks. For whatever reason, the running stats always seem to be left out. And for me, I don't, I don't, like, I'm always kind of saying, well, we can't leave the stat. Those are, those are stats too. It's what make him a very unique player. It's what makes him so effective. It makes, it makes him a matchup nightmare for defenses, especially when you get to the playoffs. So, I, I don't know. I, I'm not here. To, I'm not here to tell you that he's been perfect this year, um, but he is entering the prime of his career. There are bound to be better years than the one we're seeing this year, better than the ones we've seen in 2020. I mean, the, the, the ceiling for Josh Allen is so high, and we saw it last year in that playoff run in those two games against the Patriots and obviously the 13-second the game last year against the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, it's it's hard because I think the expectations, to your point, are so high. Um, that any any amount of him not playing to that ceiling 
is viewed as a regression or is viewed as a negative. Um, but he's got the same number of interceptions as uh, like a Patrick Mahomes in the past couple of weeks. Um, but they don't view Patrick Mahomes to turnovers. They talk about Josh Allen's turnovers, not not Patrick Mahomes' turnovers, not Joe Burrow's turnovers. But that is sort of the vacuum we live in in pro sports. Um, and Josh Allen, he's a you know he's a lightning rod for takes. Let's let's put it that way. Yeah, well, as a, a Broncos fan who grew up with John Elway, I looked longingly at Buffalo and given our own QB situation. Yeah, well. if, th- if this is a down year for, for Josh Allen, that is, uh, that's quite right. something. I, I'm also, you know, I we haven't, you know, well, we kind of discussed Allen and, and he's not, he's never, he hasn't been in the MVP discussion at all. But the other thing that I've noticed is Sean McDermott has not been in the coach of the year conversation despite the fact that you know he lost Brian Dable this offseason and I, I think a bit bigger than that even like Joe Shane moved, moved on as well and yet the Bills barely bit, missed a beat and you've seen the impact of those two guys with the Giants and right. what they have done two very very talented individuals like how, how how have the Bills gone about like doing that like transitioning straight away from losing that level of talent to being able to you know um, be atop the division, be a 12-win team, and, you know, as you said, if they win Monday night, secure the number one seed. Yeah, you know, this is a franchise since Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have have come along, um, have just been the beacon of consistency. Um, there's a standard that, you know, when Sean McDermott got here that he set, and this team lives to the standard. They don't deviate off of the standard. They don't deviate off of the plan. And uh, listen, you when you have been a Bills fan as long as I have, and you've been around and you've seen some of these coaching staffs, the Mike Malarkey's and the, you know, Greg Williams and the Wade Phillips and the, um, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on, right? The Rex Ryans and the, in the, uh, Doug Marones of the world. And, and you see a guy like Sean McDermott who came in and, and started preaching a lot of the things that you hear every coach say, right? Like, you know, you got, it's, it's about the culture you got, it's, it's winning. It's the winning culture. And you first, you got to worry about guys that, um, do the right things on and off the football field, and then the talented guys will follow. And then all that. And listen, for a long time, let's let's call it what it is. The Bills got a quarterback, and whether you're Joe Shane, and and that's going to be Joe Shane's next order of business. I I think Daniel Jones has done enough in New York under Brian Dable to to warrant at least um, another contract. What that contract looks like, I'm not sure. But everything in every franchise can be solved. To your point, right? with a franchise quarterback. It's what Denver decided they thought they were getting in, you know, Russell Wilson, and it hasn't really come to fruition this year. And we'll, you know, see if that, can, but what are they going to do, right? They're going to go out, they're going to try to find a coach that has either worked with Russell or has gotten the best out of Russell in the past to try to, you know, get what we know the former Hall of Famer um, or, well, future Hall of Famer, at least in my mind, Russell Wilson's future Hall of Famer. And they got to get back to that, where they're going to find that player uh, that did all those great things and won a Super Bowl in Seattle and, like, it just goes to show you how important the quarterback position is. And, you know, when you're Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and you hit on a Josh Allen, it's funny how all the other problems dissolve away and all of a sudden you're a great franchise and you're making great decisions. You know, listen, they don't get talked about. They don't. Not a lot of people talk about, well, the, the Bills haven't really been great at signing offensive linemen. They haven't. Um, the Bills haven't really quite figured out do they want to pay a running back? They traded for one. And they want, do they use running backs? Do they run the football? None of these conversations, the negatives don't get brought up a lot when you have a franchise quarterback. It It's the cure-all. 
in the NFL. And it's, it, it makes you look more competent than you probably are. Um, and it keeps your job around a lot longer uh, when you have the franchise quarterback. So I, I don't want to reduce it to it just as easy as the Bills have Josh Allen. And that answered a lot of the, you know, the questions and concerns for this franchise and the fan base. But I want to tell you, Josh Allen answered a lot of questions and concerns that, that this fan base had for sure. Yeah, the franchise QB will do that. I will. I will yep. say the only thing. Um, I want uh, Wade Phillips had a pretty pretty decent run in Buffalo. Two uh, two winning seasons. Um, eight and eight in his last year. Uh, Wade gets a bit of a hard time. I feel as a as a head coach, just because I think the maybe expectations because he's such an incredible DC. But yeah, that kind of. I mean, Wade is a guy who's worked with the the best of the best, and that kind of leads into you know like he's worked with JJ, he's worked with Reggie, he worked with Bruce. Yep. He worked with Von Miller, and Von obviously a big off-season acquisition came in, had some really nice plays, but then got injured, and the Bills have obviously had to uh, adapt to to that. And I'm, I'm just wondering, yeah, they've won, I think, their four and all since Von got injured. Um, mm-hmm. But in in terms of like how have they managed that? Because he is such a, an integral piece when he's in there. There's no doubt about it. Listen. The Bills miss Von Miller. It'd be crazy to tell you otherwise. But what I'll tell you is the resurgence, the emergence, whatever you want to call it, Shaq Lawson has been a revelation for the Bills. And he has really carried some of, not not all of, a lot of the load that Von Miller has sort of left behind. The reason you go out and get a Von Miller is because you feel like you're close. And the Bills are close. Um, and they thought that going out and signing Von Miller, he could be the team's closer. And earlier in the season, in that Kansas City game, you saw exactly that I mean at the end of that game he was a big reason why the Bills were able to pull that game out and you know it sucks that we're going to go into the playoffs with no Von Miller there was a real feel and a real vibe around the city that he was the missing piece but listen this is a team that also invested I mean in a lot of resources into this defensive line they go out last year they draft Gregory Rousseau in the first round and boy he has really turned into a heck of a player. He's exciting. He's big. He can get after the quarterback. He's got speed. He's got length. I mean, he's got everything you want, uh, and he's like 23 years old. So the Bills have a really solid like corner piece young player at the other bookend, and it, it's a shame because we didn't really get to see Von Miller and Greg Rousseau on the field together a whole lot this year. Greg Rousseau or earlier in the season uh, hurt his ankle and missed some time, and then Von goes out. Greg Rousseau comes back. We never really got to see that combination um, play a lot of football together, and I think that was the disappointing factor of it. But I I, kind of want to go back to the Shaq Lawson point because this is a player that the Bills drafted in the first round, you know, seven years ago. He leaves, and he goes and gets a a good deal from the Miami Dolphins division opponent. He leaves and then spends a couple of years in Miami, gets cut, goes to the New York Jets. And for all intents and purposes, it seemed like his career was sort of dwindling downward, and you would be insane He's 28 years old, and you know you, you've seen him sort of go around the league and play a lot of football, and you kind of forget this: the guy's still under 30 years old. He's got a lot of good football ahead of him, but they signed him for essentially like the veteran minimum, and he has been a huge piece to this defense. Luckily for them, and you know Boogie Basham, their second round pick from last year, so they take Greg Rousseau in the first round, Boogie Basham in the second round. Boogie Basham has been a bit of a disappointment for them, um, but I, they've got to really love what they have in Shaq Lawson. So. So to answer your question, they miss and will miss Von Miller going into the playoffs. There's no doubt about it. But they have a lot of contingency plans in this defensive line. The same could be said about the interior. They put a lot of first-round picks, free agent money, 
you name it, they've spent it on that defensive line. So they're prepared to be without Mon Miller, but it's it's certainly sad going into this this playoff run, knowing that uh, you know you could have had one of the most potent pass rushers in NFL history, a Hall of Famer, first ballot, and um, it's gonna it's gonna be tough playing without him. There's no doubt. Absolutely. Um, one of the things I suppose this year, well, been a while, but this year in particular, it feels like there's an awful lot of talk about social media, social media QBs. But the Bills have, there's been some, and like from 5,000 miles away, the Bills have done some amazing stuff on social media. They're, I'm thinking of the, the Case Keenum get, pretending to be a fan to get interviews. I'm thinking of the Matt Barkley, Josh Allen video and others. They, from social media, it would seem that this is a team who really enjoy one another's company. Mm. Is that a social media construct or is that a reality? That's a reality. Um, it is one thing that I think if you... There's a reason Shaq Lawson came back, Jordan Phillips came back, guys that left. It's it's and it's not just about the relationships, right? Like you look at guys here in Buffalo, the best years of Shaq Lawson's career were his last year when Sean McDermott was in Buffalo. Jordan Phillips, I mean, has an unbelievable season, goes goes and gets paid, and then you're never you don't really hear from him again. He comes back to Buffalo, boom, he's sort of like he never left. These guys are being put in a situation in a locker room. Uh, they talk about it all the time. There is a very, very apparent closeness to this locker room. And it, I, I'm not here to tell you it's unique to Buffalo. There is a lot of the best teams have a close-knit, have a tight locker room, guys that like each other, that love each other, that want to play for each other. But the Bills, like, resonate that. they they You can see it when, you know, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs are on stage, you know, after a game in a press conference talking to each other. You can see it on the sidelines when Sean McDermott's pulling, you know, uh, uh, a frustrated Stephon Diggs uh, on, 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 you know, Thanksgiving Day during the game because he didn't get a target in the first half and he's settling him down. And you could just see that from the head coach, the general manager, you know, down to position player coaches, down to these actual position players themselves, there is a closeness that I think is required when you have a team with this sort of trajectory, with this sort of expectation. Because with those expectations comes pressure, and pressure can get to people. I mean, that's just that—that that is the inherent nature of pressure, and especially professional athletes. And when you go and you watch these guys on TV or post-game press conferences, to me, it radiates how close they really are. I don't think it's a social media construct. I—I I think the social media team in Buffalo does a great job of displaying how close and how how much these guys appreciate playing with one another. And I, from a fan's perspective. Um, they're easier to root for that way. You know, it is. This isn't the bickering bills of the nineties. These these are guys that are you know fighting in the locker room. That none of that stuff happens. And a perfect example, right? Cole Beasley leaves, and there's a lot of drama around. You know, he didn't want to come back because of you know all this off the field nonsense. And all these players are out there on social media recruiting him back. We want Beasley back. We want. Be he comes in, and it's like boom, he never left. And that that this locker room has that way about them that. Um, it's very welcoming, and it's listen. I, I've you always know this when you grow up playing football that your football locker room is the most diverse place um, that you'll likely be as a person. Right? You've got people from every walks of life, every race, every creed, um, and that's the kind of the cool thing about football is all these people that may not agree with everything. They come together in a locker room for a greater good, and and I think the Bills really represent that maybe better than than a lot of other teams do. Yeah, and that's certainly how it seemed, but one is also aware that uh, social media can sometimes make things seem real when, when they're not the case. But 
that probably brings us on to, to Monday night's game. And um, I was talking to, to Mo Egger, who covers the, the Bengals um, earlier, and I was referencing the fact that this is um, the, the biggest Monday night game combined 23 wins since my Broncos actually took on the 49ers back in December of 97. And we had our asses kicked. Still went out to win the Super Bowl. So I guess there's hope for maybe whoever loses this game. But going up against a, a Bengal side who, you know, have won seven on the bounce, who have done it, I suppose, in many ways, I see a lot of similarities, right? Because they too have had to deal with some injuries this year and players out and um, they had their early struggles against some of their divisional rivals. I'm sure they kind of bounced back in the second game. Uh, you know, as somebody who covers the Bills, what are I suppose what are the the things that maybe worry you about the Bengals, and what are the areas you think the Bills will look to exploit? Joe Burrow. I mean, he is you know one of the league's premier quarterbacks. He does it in in maybe a more conventional way that that NFL fans are used to, right? The, the, the traditional pocket passer is not a guy um, that's going to be hurtling anybody. Uh, he's not going to run for 500 yards this season and, and, you know, a dozen touchdowns on the ground. That's not his game. But what he does is he's a precision thrower from the pocket. He's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in all of the league. Um, he does things that that he makes the really difficult stuff look easy. That's the one thing you talk about, which is the great quarterbacks, Mahomes, Allens, Herberts, Burroughs, that the really difficult stuff looks very easy to them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's he's by far the biggest concern. And, and, and listen, every NFL quarterback will tell you that it's not quarterback versus quarterback. They're not on the field at the same time, right? But in this game, you are getting the two premier, two of the three premier, premier quarterbacks in football um, going up against each other, and it's exciting. It's the it's going to be the game of the year. I mean, on Monday Night Football, under the lights, on the road. I mean, you can't ask for more um, if you're a Bills fan. But I, I look at the areas that you could really get after this uh, Cincinnati Bengals team. They don't run the ball particularly well. The Bills have the highest yards per carry average in football, um, and their defense is, I think if there's one area that they're maybe most vulnerable in, it would be running the football against Cincinnati. They just, um, they're going to be without, I believe, Sam Hubbard, their star defensive end. who's had a calf injury over the past couple of games. Uh, their other star defensive end, Trey Hendrickson, has a broken wrist. He's been playing through it, but he is not 100%. So their defensive line is not at 100%. They may be without one of their best edge rushers. So being able to block up front will be, I think, at a premium in this game. Being able to get after them on the ground, I think, will be at a premium. So um, the question for me then that I have is, can the Bills' defense consistently get stops? Can they get off the field on third down? And this is one of the most difficult wide receiver groups in all of football to defend. I mean, three really good wide receivers. Tyler Boyd is is as good of a slot receiver as there is in the NFL. T. Higgins could be a number one wide receiver for any franchise in the NFL other than Cincinnati. And Jamar Chase presents an incredible you know, package of issues um, from speed, from route running, to being able to high point the football. Um, so they they present a very unique challenge for defenses. And, you know, the Bills started slow last week defensively against Chicago. They go Chicago goes right down the field, and they score, they, I think they had 60 yards rushing on their first drive, and they basically did nothing the rest of the game. So um, the Bills defense will be up for the task. The question is for me is can they get off the field on third down? Can they create some pressure in Joe Burrow's face from the middle, from the center? To me, Ed Oliver will be a big key to this game. Can he generate pressure from the interior part of the defensive line? And when they get to Joe Burrow, they need to get him down. And I think whoever wins the turnover battle, too, will will likely win this game as well. So I, I think if you're looking at where I think the Bills could potentially get after this Bengals team, 
on the ground on offense. And then defensively, getting in Joe Burrow's face, no Lale Collins out for the season with a torn ACL. That should open some things up for Gregory Rousseau. But the things I'm certainly worried about are, can you cover all three receivers? Hayden Hurst might be back too. He brings an interesting dynamic at the tight end position. And then defensively for them, um, it's going to be, um, at least from my perspective is, or I should say offensively, um, is can you can you be consistent? Because the one thing about this Bills offense is that it says we talk about, you know, the regression of Josh Allen and blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know if I believe in the regression of Josh Allen, but they go through lulls where they look like the best offense in football, and then they go three and out four straight four straight drives. And that's this is not the game that you can afford to punt the football and uh, and give up possessions against Joe Burrow because they will lose if that's the case. Yeah, I think that's another thing that makes this so intriguing because you have to talk about the the lows that the Bills occasionally have. You're looking at a Bengals team that like had an amazing first half where they like just bullied the Patriots and they had to do the second half struggle. The previous week, um, they just dug themselves into a 17-point hole against the Bucs but came out the second half. So um, I think, yeah, whichever team can probably perform the best over the entirety of the game, but it should be a, an intriguing matchup. And, and yeah, no matter what, no matter what happens, um, both both teams will be playoff bound. Um, Nate, I really appreciate you taking the, the time to, to join me. Did shout out where, um, you know, uh, some of your your stuff at the beginning, but I'm sure there will be listeners over here that, um, you know, enjoy you. You are ever entertaining. Um, if they want to to um, hear more of your stuff or find uh, find you on social media, where could they do that? Uh, they can find me on social media, Twitter. It's at Nate Geary Sports. It's N A T E G E A R Y Sports on Twitter. Um, you can check uh, check out my work at wgr five fifty dot com. Um, and yeah, you know I, I'll be doing uh, just post game this week because it's a Monday night football game. Uh, but yeah, you can hear me. I have my show uh, on on WGR as well that streams on our app and uh, on our website on uh, Sports Talk Saturday, every Saturday. Uh, and I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, love the work you guys do. And uh, I'm, I'm I'm honored and privileged to be on the show. And I, and I really appreciate you having me. Uh, it's all, always a pleasure. And just for listeners, you might want to get a VPN, but those are pretty easy to get to check out the uh, the website. It is geoblocked. But there are ways and means around that. So you can listen uh, to Nate. Nate Geary, thank you very much. My pleasure.